0: Day on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farrakh.
1: If you're living to please man, that's the fear of man, and it's a trap. And I would venture to say, and I don't mean to indict Timothy, or I surely don't want to come down too hard on this young pastor, but I would venture to say that he had a bit of the fear of man in him. This is Proverbs 29:25. Fear of man will prove to be a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe.
0: You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of 1 Timothy. It's easy to look at the people around you and feel the need to change who you are to please them. But as you'll learn in today's message with Pastor J.D., you have an audience of one, and that is Jesus. So don't live to please man, rather live to do what is good in the eyes of the Lord. He sees and knows you deeper. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of this broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now here's Pastor J.D. in 1 Timothy chapter 5 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth.
1: They're like boasting about it. Look at us. We're so loving. We're a loving church. No, you're not. You know what Paul says? You think that's love? First of all, that's not love. If you really love this guy, you know what you're going to do? You're going to kick him out of the church. Have nothing to do with him like a pagan or a tax collector. And it even gets worse. He says, you're going to give him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh wow, that's mean. No, it's not. Because he'll come to his senses. Give him over. Get him out. First of all, you got to protect that church, because that kind of thing has a way of spreading like a cancer. Oh, and so what? People there at that church are looking and going, oh, it must be cool. They must be cool with this. So I guess it doesn't matter if I do something like that. Paul's saying, get him out. And do it publicly like he says to Timothy. You need to do this publicly so that others will see. That's love. If you really love this guy, then you need to get him out of the church and let Satan have his way with them, and he'll repent when he comes to his senses. And you know what? It worked. Second Corinthians. (laughs) you got to love these Corinthians. Don't be too hard on them. We're probably just exactly like them. So here's what happens. The guy repents. And he wants to be restored, and he tries to come back to the church. Pulls up in the parking lot, and uh, you know, parking attendants and the security team there at that Corinthian church are like, "Hey, what are you doing here? We kicked you out of here." He's like, "No, I repented." No, nope, not so fast. And so Paul has to write and say, "What are you guys doing? Restore him, forgive him. He repented." What's the matter with you? They go to the opposite extreme. I mean, they go from not confronting him to not restoring him. Ah, oh, what in the world? That's not a healthy church. That's an unhealthy church. So here's how we got that famous love chapter. Paul basically says this. He says, that's not love. This is what love is. Love is this, this this, and this. That's what love is. That's not love. So people come to this church, and we have gone to great lengths as the pastor of this church, which is my privilege to be, and those in leadership in this church, we have gone to great lengths to be biblical in our approach when something like this happens, and it does happen. But we got to deal with it in a loving way and in a biblical way for this reason. Here's the third one, and I want to spend the remainder of our time on this for what I hope would be deemed obvious reasons, because it, like accusations, is a biggie, and this has to do with criticisms. In verses 23 through 25, one might come away with the impression that this is about a Christian and certainly a pastor drinking a little bit of wine. I would suggest that what Paul is saying here has more to do with Timothy being on the receiving end of criticisms for drinking a little bit of wine. And if you'll bear with me, I'll explain how I get there as we talked about at the beginning, Timothy is timid. He is overly concerned with what people think about him. I imagine him to be insecure. And certainly when you're younger, and you've got to understand that those people in that church were probably old enough to be Timothy's dad. And that certainly doesn't help. I mean, he's the pastor. That's why Paul says, don't let them do that to you. Don't let them look down on you for your youth. These guys are older. They're like, you're the pastor? You young little whippersnapper. Come here, boy, teach you a thing or two. Don't let them do that to you. And so I imagine Timothy being very sensitive. I think he had such a soft heart. And he genuinely cared maybe too much? So here's what I'm thinking. He probably had ulcers. do well, think this through with me. Paul says, drink a little bit of wine for your stomach. You got stomach problems. You got the ulcers and, you know, because you're all tied up in knots because you're so concerned about all of these criticisms that you're on the receiving end of. We know that he was criticized and intimidated. It's like, don't let them intimidate you. Won't that do that to you? God's given you a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind, a disciplined mind. By the way, I wish that the translation were more accurate where it says a sound mind in the original language that carries with it the idea of a disciplined mind. Now stay with me on this. You discipline your mind just like you discipline your children. You have a disciplined mind. Hey, you don't let things settle, plant, germinate, sprout in the battleground, the fertile ground of your mind. Satan can put thoughts in your mind, and he does. He can't read your mind, but he'll put thoughts in your mind. That's why we have to take every thought captive into the obedience of Jesus Christ. So here's Satan, comes in there with that, and (laughs) We're going to see this in 2 Timothy as well. And we've talked about this, and maybe it's apropos to at least mention this, but Satan cannot possess a Christian demonically. But Satan can take a Christian captive and use a Christian, a born-again Christian, with the Spirit of God, he can use a Christian to do his bidding if he takes him captive. We're going to see that in 2 Timothy. And that's why... You're going to get a Christian that is going to be used of the devil to spread discord amongst the brethren. And it's usually from those who have a critical spirit. I mean, they've got a criticism for everything. And what Paul is telling Timothy here is, don't listen to them. My dad used to always say when I was a kid, because I would always, you know, come home just so upset because everybody called me Froggy, you know, Frog, Tadpole, Ribbit, Kermit. That was another one because of my last name. And I was like, Dad, can't we change our last name? I'm, I'm getting, you know, crucified here. And he's like, no, too late. Can't we pronounce it like Faraj? So much nicer and better. It doesn't sound like frog. He's like, no, that's your name. I'm like, Why is that my name? And then he would say to me, let the dogs bark. That's what dogs do. Dogs bark. Christians criticize. Don't take it to heart. Ignore it. Blow it off. See, Timothy's problem was he was taking it to heart, and it was eating his lunch, and it was (laughs) causing physical problems. So this is interesting because it has its root in caring more, about what people think than about what God thinks. Paul will say of this, don't be a man-pleaser. First of all, how's that working out for you? You'll never please man. Be a God-pleaser. You know that um, father, son, and donkey story? Father and a son go into town to get supplies. Son rides the donkey. Father walks alongside. They ride into the town. And here's the townspeople. Look at that. Shame on that young man. He's strong and young. And he makes his father walk. He's ailing and old. Shame on him. So they hear this criticism. And dad says, hey, you know, son, next time I'll ride the donkey, you walk. Okay. Okay, fine. Next time they go into town, the dad's riding the donkey, the son's walking alongside, and sure enough, here comes the criticisms. Look at that slave-driving father. He rides the donkey while he makes his son walk. Shame on him. Dad's like, you got to be kidding me. Okay, I know what we're going to do. Next time we go into town, we both ride the donkey. That'll solve it. So here they are. They go into town. They're both riding the donkey. They ride in the town, and sure enough, the criticisms start coming. That poor donkey! They're both riding the donkey! They're going to break the donkey's back! Shame on them! Dad's like, "This really? Okay, I know what we're going to do. Next time we go into town, neither of us are going to ride the donkey okay. So they both walk. They got the donkey. Neither of them are riding the donkey. They ride it in the town. Sure enough, here come the criticisms. Look at those stupid idiots. (laughs) They have a donkey and they don't ride it. Listen, (laughs) if you're living to please man, that's the fear of man, and it's a trap. And I would venture to say, and I don't mean to indict Timothy, or I surely don't want to come down too hard on this young pastor, but I would venture to say that he had a bit of the fear of man in him. This is Proverbs twenty nine twenty five: Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. I've heard it said like this, you have an audience of one. Now, please understand that I don't want to come off as having arrived, you know, where I don't let anything get to me. You know, those rude comments, those vile comments on social media. You know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Are you kidding me? (laughs) It should be more like this. Sticks and stones can break my bones and words can absolutely crush me been said that if you want to be in the ministry, particularly, that you have to have the heart of a child, the mind of a scholar, and the hide of a rhinoceros. And that is exactly what Paul is saying here to Timothy. I want to, um, and I asked the Lord about this, and I do want to share this. I want to just kind of get down and dirty, if I can say it like that. That's probably not a good way to say it. I've can think of a better way to say it. And I want to speak to those who attend a church and those who pastor a church. And if you'll just indulge me, I really want to encourage you, but I also want to exhort you. Let's talk about those who attend a church. If you're given over to a critical spirit, I just want to say this in love, you need to repent. You need to repent. Especially with everything that's happening in the world today. Your pastor, first of all, if he's even reopened the church, you should be right there supporting him, praying for him, and lifting him up, not criticizing him. I do actually get emails sent to us from pastors asking for advice and counsel about how to deal with the people in their church, they're excoriating pastors for even opening the church. And then if the pastor is saying to the people, you know, as far as wearing masks, you want to wear a mask? Praise the Lord. You don't want to wear a mask? Praise the Lord. I mean, that's like the abomination that causes desolation. You would think that he's committed the unforgivable sin. He's blasphemed the Holy Spirit. I wish I could be up here saying something like this by way of an analogy or, you know, sort of just an illustration, but this is actually happening. And one statistic I heard from a pastor on the East Coast is that pastors are leaving the ministry by the multitudes because of this very thing. They can't handle it. The people in the church are just, they're destroying each other. They're devouring each other. And this is what Paul says to the Galatians. If you continue to do this, you continue to gossip and criticize and argue and fight and quarrel, you're going to destroy each other. You're going to devour each other. And is that not exactly what Satan wants? I want to talk to the pastor of a church as a pastor, just pastor to pastor. First of all, I want to encourage you. I realize, I'm keenly aware that I'm a very loved pastor. I have an amazing church, and I know a lot of pastors cannot say that. But I want to speak to you as a pastor who has been through that. And I know how painful it is. So painful. I want to encourage you to stand in the strength and the might of the Lord, and do not listen to those people. In fact, I would even take it a step further and encourage you to get those in your leadership that are around you, that support you, that are walking in agreement with you, you get together, and first and foremost, you pray. And you ask God for wisdom. And whenever you ask God for wisdom, he will give you wisdom. He will not withhold wisdom. He will give it liberally. And you ask God for wisdom and discernment. And I think it would be very appropriate in this day in which we live with everything that's going on in the world to have a very candid conversation with the people in your church that are causing these problems and that have these criticisms. And you need to... Basically, do what the apostle Paul is saying here and maybe say to them, you know, maybe you need to find another church. And if it comes to it, that's love, by the way. You're not welcome here because if there's one thing God hates, it's the sowing of discord amongst the brethren. In fact, it's the seventh in Proverbs that is an abomination to God. Six things he hates. The seventh is an abomination. Do you know why? You know, sometimes it's good to ask the why question when it comes to Scripture. So we know the what of God's Word, but what's the why behind the what? Why is it an abomination to God when there's the sowing of discord amongst the brethren? Why does God take that so seriously? Why is the Apostle Paul devoting this portion of this letter to this young pastor to this very issue? I believe it's because God knows firsthand the destruction that will ensue because the first time this happened was in heaven when Lucifer was puffed up and exalted himself in pride. And by the way, (laughs) you have a critical spirit? It's pride. You're going to falsely accuse somebody? That is pride. That is spiritual pride. You know, it's really been by the grace of God. I was just thinking about, you know, our four-year anniversary of having got into this building on October 2nd, 2016. And man, how time flies. But it's like this church is a safe place for you to come. And I want you to know that as the pastor and as the leadership, as the elders, we are going to do everything and stop at nothing to keep this place safe and healthy for you to come. And we've had to deal with some wolves in sheep's clothing. And we've had to have them removed from this church because they posed a threat and danger and harm to this, the flock of God. We deal very swiftly, very decisively with anyone who would come into this God's church <laughs> after all we went through. ain't going to happen. That's when I go Palestinian. You are yes. Not on my watch. I have been given the profound privilege as the overseer, pastor of this amazing church, and this is an amazing church. I want those of you that are new, that are here, I want you to know something about this church. This is a loving church. This church is the real deal. Do you know that in the 16 years, we started a a Bible study, had about 15 people, Half of them were my wife's family. (laughs) You got to start somewhere, I guess. And then God just added to the church daily as many as would be saved and come. And church began to grow 16 years. In 16 years we have never had so much as a hint of a church split. Not once. Oh, there's been (laughs) times where it could have happened but it didn't happen. Why? Because of this. One last thing, probably not, but we'll try. (laughs) I have an audience of one, and while I appreciate the many kind words that you have, oh pastor, that was such a blessing. The Lord really spoke to me and ministered to me, and I praise the Lord for that. I know many of you, especially those of you who are new, are just grateful and we welcome you here again. We love you. We're so glad that you're here. We want you to be welcome here, be at home here. You're safe here. This is a healthy church, and we preach the word, nothing but the word, book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and we preach the gospel in and out of season. Every Sunday, the gospel is preached from behind this pulpit, so you're in a safe place. This is a good church, if I don't say so myself. (laughs) But no, I'm sorry, Lord. I didn't mean it like that. But what I want to say to you is that at the end of the day, I don't answer to you. And you can criticize me. That's fine. You can post comments online. Fine. But I want you to know something. I don't care. I don't care. Because at the end of the day, the only thing I care about is, is he pleased? I don't dance to the beat of a drum played by man, especially if you have a critical spirit. Because I don't need ulcers, that's why. (laughs) And that's my story, and I'm sticking with it.
0: You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to study the Word of God. As you continue to learn from 1 Timothy with Pastor J.D., approach each piece of wisdom prayerfully and ask God to show you how you can apply what you learn to your own life. He can and does teach you through His Word, so keep reading. If you're not part of a local church that you can call home, we encourage you to find and begin regularly attending one in your area. And if you're in or near the Kaneohe area, Come visit us. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions, to Calvary Chapel Kaniohe. This can be found on our website, in inspiritandtruthradio.com. While you're there, you can also find more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates and the ABCs of Salvation. This is a simple guide to sharing the good news of salvation in Jesus. As we continue to learn from the book of 1 Timothy together, we'd be honored to pray for you during this study. Would you let us know how we can be doing that for you? Just fill out the contact form that you'll find under the About tab at inspiritandtruthradio.com. Or come find us on social media. There's a link to our Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube pages on our website. And we encourage you to follow them so you can stay up to date with all that's happening at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe and in Spirit and Truth. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for joining us for this in-depth, verse-by-verse study of First Timothy on In Spirit and Truth.